the entrepreneurial path is one that fits some people and doesn't fit others. So our graduates, some of them, a job at JP Morgan Chase or a job at BNY or a job at PNC, that is just the Shangri-La. I'm so happy for them and we've helped them realize that and there's an organizational structure they can navigate and tiers of hierarchies and whatever. And for other people, they want to be relevant to a startup and they can bring technical skills with them and have value and they can play in that startup ecosystem. And so really, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's just a set of skills that gives you relevance to pretty much any industry, you know, I mean, every every company today is a technology company. Every company is looking for software developers. If you stick around the startup scene long enough, you will hear over and over and over again, we're hiring developers, we're hiring programmers, we're hungry, we're looking for tech talent. In episode 314 of this show with John Dick, the co-founder of Civic Science, he spoke about how competitive it can be to find the technical talent that you need to build a modern startup. My guest today, Anthony Hughes, is the CEO and founder of Tech Elevator and is aiming to directly address that problem by training people in the basics of the most valuable computer coding languages and help them increase their earning power, and stimulate the economy. He does this with four campuses in the Midwest, located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and Columbus, Cincinnati, and Cleveland, Ohio. These regions, as Anthony talks about, have been economic powerhouses of the past, but are reinventing themselves in the age of technological innovation. The success, the costs, and the mechanics of this program are what we get into in this conversation. I learned a lot from Anthony, so I won't waste any more of your time and let you get to learning from Anthony Hughes. You're listening to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. Anthony, welcome to Going Deep with Aaron Watson. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Aaron, thank you very much for having me. Now, it's a very exciting time. Your company, Tech Elevator, is launching a Pittsburgh campus here in Pittsburgh, obviously. Can we just start off by talking a little bit about what Tech Elevator is and how you came to Pittsburgh for your fourth campus? Yeah, so, um, you know, really I'll start by saying, you know, the mission of our company is probably the crux of it. So the mission of Tech Elevator uh, is to elevate people, companies, and communities. And we do that through uh, our core product, which is a 14-week full-time intensive software developer training program. So we take individuals without technical uh, skills, um, but who have high levels of aptitude, and we train them to become software developers, working as junior developers uh, in uh, large and, and small companies alike. And what type of characters, like I'm sure they're all different industries, ages, backgrounds, but like, can you kind of paint a picture of like the prototypical entry student and what they emerge from on the other side? Yeah, so I'd say uh, our sweet spot is uh, between 25 and 35. Okay. Uh, these are individuals who have, you know, on average, our average student has about eight years of career experience. Um, what they've uh, what they've felt in their career is a is misalignment. They haven't really kind of clicked into gear in their career. Um, they may have been exposed to technology peripherally. They may have worked with technologists. They may have tried to learn how to code on their own. Uh, and they've just sort of come up against a, a brick wall, if you 
will. And so they seek out resources to help them acquire these skills uh, to lead to a meaningful kind of opportunity or career opportunity. Most of them actually already come to us with college degrees. About 65 to 70% of our students have college degrees already, with the majority of those being in the liberal arts. And uh, that's something that I can empathize with. I have a degree in American studies from uh, a top-tier university. It was fascinating, uh, but economically useless. Uh, and so, you know, we're graduating hundreds of thousands of liberal arts degrees in this economy. And I think there's a lot of really good things about that. Critical thinking, research, uh, the ability to form a cogent argument. Um, but the, where it's falling down is, well, how do those, how do those experiences align with tangible skills that employees or employers are willing to pay for? And with this not only glut of maybe not so employable liberal arts degrees, but on the other side, a market that is thirsty for tech talent, thirsty for coders, um, the amount of listings for programmers and all these other types um, are just absolutely exploding. And this solution, Tech Elevator, is a, like you said, a 14-week course. Um, from the website I saw, it was uh, $15,000 for that 14-week course. But there's a, a number of other models that have kind of popped up. Some of them are all online. Some of them are in person. Some of them are this upfront payment, while others sometimes take like a percentage or a portion of the post-program salary that you get as a result of the training. Can you talk a little bit about how you came to this specific pricing model and how you think that compares not only to the like colleges that are maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars, but some of the other coding academies that might classify as your competition? Yeah. So, um, I came to this space because uh, I had spent a number of years working in a, um, uh, an organization in Cleveland by the name of Jumpstart. Jumpstart is the analogous organization in the city of Cleveland to Innovation Works uh, in, in the city of Pittsburgh. And my responsibilities at Jumpstart were to um, identify promising entrepreneurs and pair them up with seasoned entrepreneurs who'd been there, done that, who'd had exits, and who could coach and advise and mentor them. And um, we were pretty good at that. We found, you know, we had folks like uh, Bob Hurwitz, who founded Office Max, and Jeff Hoffman, who was one of the founding members of Priceline, come together and coach some of the most promising up-and-coming entrepreneurs. And we were starting to build some cool businesses. Most of those businesses were tech businesses. And what we quickly realized was a good business and a good idea can attract capital. But technical talent was really the driver of those startups. And I kept on seeing it over and over again where these companies would, would fall down was a lack of access to technology talent. And so I had been in this uh, organization for a while. I'd seen this problem. And instead of sort of standing on the sidelines and sort of observing this problem, I decided to kind of be part of that solution. And that was around the time where boot camps were starting to emerge around the country. So the original coding boot camp um, was a company called Dev Boot Camp. Um, Dev Boot Camp was subsequently bought by Kaplan. And I think in 2017, actually, Kaplan shut the organization down. But the genesis of that organization was a software developer out in San Francisco who was fed up of hearing his HR team come back to him and say, sorry, I don't have that team member. I promised you I came back from a, a career fair and we came back empty handed or you needed five and I only gave you two. And he said, look, it's not that difficult. What I'm looking for are skills, and skills don't necessarily have to come from a four-year 
a degree. In fact, I believe that I can build a curriculum that can teach these skills. And so he grabbed one of his buddies and he said, look, you're smart. Let me teach you how to code and let's see if this works out for you. And that individual got a job as a software developer and he, and he had that aha moment and found a dev boot camp. And so what we saw between 2012 uh, and today, what we've seen is these sort of different interpretations of these intensive training programs emerge as alternatives to computer science degrees. Our particular approach um, came from my experience being part of uh, kind of the original team of an organization uh, called the Software Craftsmanship Guild, now the Software Guild owned by Learning House, which was just acquired by Wiley, um, where I was the president of that organization. And I didn't found the organization, but we had an opportunity to sell and the company was sold. And in that experience, I sort of understood the playbook. Uh, and after I stepped away from the company after it had been sold, I thought about what I wanted to do next. And I thought, you know, we the Software Guild was the 20th boot camp in the country. And at that particular moment in time after we sold, another 49 boot camps had opened up or 48 boot camps had opened up. And I thought, gosh, this isn't that original anymore. But that was still the best job I ever had. I had an opportunity to change people's lives. I had an opportunity to change the technical landscape. You know what? I'm going to give this another shot. And so I, I founded Tech Elevator with my co-founder, David Wintrek. And is there a specific type of company that perhaps like the 14-week intensive uh, Midwest-centric type of training behooves like it like there's a, a, a prototypical just as there's the type of person that enters the type of person or the type of company that is really engaging with this talent that you're producing you know it's been interesting we we very much thought it was going to be purely enterprise so we basically you know when we started the company we said we well, look we're not founding this in san francisco or new york so you know the predominance of the languages at the time were ruby on rails or javascript and we said look we're going to we're going to look at the job descriptions in the market for junior developer talent and we're going to engineer curriculum backwards from that uh, and so the predominance of the opportunities were in .net and c sharp as well as in java and so those were the curriculum that's where we decided to focus our time on building out those curriculum so we could uh, we could optimize the chance of our graduates getting jobs predominantly the large hiring companies like a progressive insurance or a, a highland software in cleveland um, what's actually ended up happening is yes those companies have been major consumers of our talent uh, but equally startups have consumed our talent as well so i think in about 35 percent of cases our students are going to companies with less than 30 employees so that's that's a, actually a kind of a neat development um, for us um, we had originally thought that we would fuel the startup ecosystem is sort of the second act for our graduates. So learn these skills, go work at Progressive Insurance, sort of continue sort of honing the skills. Mm -hmm. We'll plant you with sort of an entrepreneurial bug. And after two, three years of big company world, you'll want to jump into the startup world. But actually, we've seen companies like Cover My Meds or Root Insurance, which is sort of Ohio's newest unicorn, uh, start to snap up our talent as well, uh, which has been really gratifying, actually. It was unexpected. And it seems like someone who's gone through a program where it's paid upfront, like in that fixed cost standpoint, they then have a bit more flexibility around going and maybe like their first job being in that more startup space where maybe they're being compensated in equity or there's a kind of a different structure there versus the standard large corporation. Here's the salary. If I was paying a percentage of that back to the school that trained me, it, I'm trying to like I'm trying to optimize for highest salary as opposed to something else. Gotcha. Oh, okay. So, um, you know, 
There are different payment models in the industry. So I think what you're referring to is income, an, an ISA or an income share agreement. Yeah. Uh, essentially, um, you know, I'll train you for free, uh, and then I'll take a percentage of your income thereafter, and until you know, for some limited period of time. Yeah. What we found is the most driven and ambitious people say that deals for other people, but not for me. Interesting. I want a set price. I'm betting on myself. I don't want anyone having a piece of me afterwards. Interesting. So, um, our, you know, we look at best practices around the industry, and we haven't seen enormous success with the income share agreements. And it does it does two things. One is the really successful people, the really driven people, are like, "That's not for me." So. I want to pay you direct. So then what ends up happening is your risk pool is pooled with the less ambitious people who are like, well, hey, I got nothing to risk. If it doesn't work out, you know, yeah. whatever. And so what ends up happening is, you know, you see a, a, a much higher default rate or, or a lack of ability to, to start to have a percentage of income shared because people aren't getting jobs. Um, and then on the other side of things, what it does is it, it, it shifts the dynamic in the relationship that you have with your alumni and your graduates. And our alumni are powerful drivers of our business. Um, their experience from a non-technical individual going through sort of a metamorphosis in their career to getting a job at a tech company or in a tech role, they then refer their friends. So we've seen in, you know, in some cases upwards of 40% of an incoming class will be a direct referral from our alumni. Now, if you're also collecting money from your alumni, if you're the bill man, you're the debt collector, you're yeah. going to shift the dynamic of your relationship. So what we try and do is reduce the barrier of entry. So we're not asking, you know, we're not expecting our students to come to us with 15000 it's actually 15500 with $15,500 of spare change, you know, like, you know, that you would significantly shrink your audience. Right. What we're asking them to do is, um, you know, form a relationship or, or secure a loan. So they can secure a loan through one of our sort of partners. So they're private lenders. We don't make any money, but what we're trying to do is reduce the barrier of entry. So they will have a payment plan associated after graduation, but it will, will, the, the, the lender will pay us the tuition. And the reason that we charge $15,500, um, you know, we're on the higher end of, of that spectrum in terms of pricing, uh, is because we pour a ton of resources into our process. The Going Deep podcast is underwritten by Piper Creative. Shooting, editing, and publishing quality content is overwhelming. We make it easy so you can save time, build your brand, and grow faster. Say hello at pipercreative.co. It's got a campus. It's in-person training versus other schools, which also, like on the spectrum, are almost all digital. Like you Online. show up after work or you spend your time exclusively on your computer, maybe in the coffee shop or wherever. Yep. And that's not the case with this one. No, it's in-person. So, you know, the average incoming salary of a Tech Elevator graduate is $28,000. The average outgoing salary of a Tech Elevator graduate is about $58,000. And that's after 14 weeks. And we're placing them across our network of campuses at a 91% placement rate within 180 days of graduating. Those are some pretty powerful statistics by any educational sort of measure. Um, furthermore, I will add that we have our numbers audited. So if you want to check that out, there's an organization called the Council on Integrity and Results Reporting. It's an organization that basically says you report raw data to us. 
how many people started your program, how many people graduated from your program, and how many people got jobs in the field of study. Yeah. No exemptions. And so we're really proud about that. We, we really believe in transparency because people are making investment decisions, uh, oftentimes with sort of in the, the rear view mirror, uh, some pretty expensive debt associated with college and they want to make the right decision. And so, you know, we believe in sort of giving them that, that information up front. Gotcha. Now, your accent does not sound like that of a native Ohioan. <laughs> How did you end up in Ohio? Because these campuses, you know, the three big C's in Ohio and now Pittsburgh, classically mid-Atlantic region. How'd you end up here? Um, yeah, so uh, this is this is you are well spotted. This is this is not an Ohio accent. It is in fact an English accent. Um, I've lived in Ohio now for fourteen years. So I desperately try and hold on to it. It's yeah. been a useful tool over the years for various different things. Uh, I uh, arrived in Cleveland in two thousand and four. My intention then uh, I was in, in I was in broadcast uh, television sales. So I was in uh, I sold television advertising. Okay. And my intention then was really to use it as a stepping stone. I was looking to move to New York or Chicago or L.A. I just I fell in love with the Midwest. I think the characteristics of the people here, the work ethic, the cultural heritage. You know, there's something incredibly special about the Midwest. The the the, the friendliness, the warmth of people. I mean, I grew up in in London. It's you know you can be you know you can live in a city of you know you're one person in a city of 10 million strangers in London, you know, whereas here people ask you how you're doing and they genuinely care, yeah. you know, about the answer. And so, um, you know, for me, when I had the opportunity to found Tech Elevator, the purpose of that was um, really to recognize the latent potential of our communities. And that potential has been demonstrated. It was demonstrated in the early 1900s when this was literally the, the factory of the world, the manufacturing hub of the world. And you see just this rich innovation, you know, Carnegie and Frick here and, and Rockefeller and, you know, Wade, who created Western Union. And, and the building that we're headquartered in in Cleveland was home of the Baker Electric Car Company, which in 1913 was the world's largest manufacturer of electric cars. There's this incredible history of innovation, but there's there's been this sort of view, this bleak view about what the future looks like. Um, but if we look at Pittsburgh as a city that's, you know, probably a, a, you know, a little further ahead than Cleveland in terms of that evolution away from manufacturing and towards sort of the modern digital economy, I think what we're seeing is there's a real window of opportunity for our communities throughout the, the Rust Belt to reinvent themselves. But in order for us to reinvent themselves, we have to acquire a new skill set, a skill set that's relevant. And so the role that I get to play is incredibly uh, energizing. And that comes from my background in economic development at Jumpstart and now as an entrepreneur being part of the solution. And the essential premise is there are really smart people who live in our communities who are under-realized in terms of fulfilling their potential. And if we can identify those people using our aptitude testing protocols and through behavioral interviewing, we can find those people and essentially help them transform, essentially act as an inflection point in their lives and plug them into this sort of new modern economy. Um, and so that's just a super exciting place for us to be. What does what do those testings look like? Because I think it's, once again, I'm, I'm obsessed with the generalized story that we tell ourselves as a culture. So you go to high school, you try to go to college. College takes four years. Like there's all these just tropes that are kind of just drilled in as like the standard way of doing business. You take the SAT or I can the ACT so that you can try and get into college or whatever the standardized test is. As we reorient ourselves around new 
structures of training and growth and, and these type of stories, uh, like what does the aptitude test mean? What does that look like? How do people take that? So um, we have a, a free online aptitude test at techelevator.com, which is really as much for fun or a curiosity as anything else. It's a 25-minute test. Go to techelevator.com. You'll see the link right there. You know, see if you have the aptitude uh, for for a career in software development. Uh, that looks for logic, reasoning, problem-solving capabilities, pattern matching, essentially the attributes that you will find in a software developer who's sort of in the wild, <laughs> in field, mm -hmm. uh, from an aptitude standpoint. So we, we run that initial test, and if you do well on that test, then we encourage you to take the next step. If you ultimately feel that this is a good path for you, we would ask for a written application. So there's an application process. If you, you know, if we like the application, we would invite you in to interview. Um, you'll do a behavioral interview. It's usually an hour to an hour and a half. We're looking for key attributes that we know are going to lead to both success in the program, but but also success in a career following Tech Elevator. And then we'll ask you to do another hour, hour and a half long aptitude test as well. Um, it's not a low barrier of entry, but we sort of feel morally we don't want to take anybody's money if they don't have both the aptitude and attitude yeah. to get through the program successfully. And selfishly for us, as you know, we don't have a reputation or we don't have the prestige of a Carnegie Mellon or a Case Western or a Ohio State University. We're measured by our outcomes. Um, our ability to grow as a business comes from how effective and how successful our graduates are and the last wave of them. We don't have that prestige of you know decades or even over hundred years it's really about can these people do the job and so you know our graduates are our ambassadors with the companies and what we see is when we place one student with a company pretty soon thereafter a company comes back to us and they're like wow that's amazing when can I you know when are you graduating your next students and so you sort of take that sort of virtuous cycle sort of process with building the business absolutely and it's just even paradigm shifting to recognize that it can be you know basically less than half a year and you are changed in terms of an employability standpoint when the previous cultural narrative was four, five, six years in college before you have that degree of employability. I think that's, you know, all these things we have to break apart, even the psychology of like, okay, I'll take the aptitude test. Maybe it's a, like a thumbs up, a thumbs down situation, but to even like get someone to, oh, I'm going to go this route to the boot camp. I'm going to spend my 25 minutes to do the aptitude test in terms of accessibility, obviously not just about, not everyone can do it, but it's not exclusively for the um, stereotypical like CMU, super genius, big head, computer nerd their entire life. It is a much more learnable skill set than a lot of people otherwise realize. Look, I have friends of mine in my network, people that I respect who have children who are thinking about going to college right now. And I say, go to college. I mean, I went to college. I loved it. You know, I think, you know, I, I, I don't like to position myself as the college disruptor guy. I am the person who is the potential realist, re, you know, the, the sort of the guy that helps people realize their potential. So whether that's as an alternative to college or whether that's, hey, I graduated and I've been bumping along in my career for five years yeah. and this isn't going to work for me. And so um, if somebody is 
thinking about going to college, if they're 15, 16 years old, go to college. That's a great experience. But pick a degree that has some economic value. I speak personally. You know, The only lucky break I had is I went to school in Europe and I didn't have to pay tuition, right? Yeah. So I didn't have to graduate and take the first job so I could start paying down student debt. I think that's a real challenge for Americans is you graduate and it's like, what is the first job in front of me? I need to take it because I've got this debt payment that I need to make. Mm-hmm. So there was a staggering statistic in the Wall Street Journal a couple of years ago that said that 50% of recent college graduates were working in jobs that do not require college degrees. You know, I mean, that's just crazy. Yeah. So what we do is we take, you know, the majority of our students do have college degrees or have worked in the field for a while. And they're seeing this incredible growth in career opportunities around technology. And they're saying, how do I do that? How do I get into that? And there are lots of different paths, but one of the hardest paths to take is a four-year CS degree if you're 25 or 30 or 35, because the opportunity cost associated with four years in school at that age is just insurmountable in some ways. And so what we're offering is 14 weeks intensive, stop the bus, focus on yourself, acquire skills, um, and then we'll get you back into the workforce. And it's been incredibly, it's been incredibly effective. And if one of the second or third, third order goals is to create more entrepreneurs and stem more entrepreneurial activity in some of these communities, certainly not saddling a generation of people with debt Will serve that aim without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I think, you know, for us, my sort of, you know, the thing I'm excited about in all of the entrepreneurial communities that we're in is, you know, the entrepreneurial path is one that fits some people and doesn't fit others. So our graduates, some of them, a job at JP Morgan Chase or a job at BNY or a job at PNC, that is just the Shangri-La. I'm so happy for them, and we've helped them realize that, and there's an organizational structure they can navigate and tiers of hierarchies and whatever. And for other people, they want to be relevant to a startup, and they can bring technical skills with them and have value, and they can play in that startup ecosystem. And so really, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's just a set of skills that gives you relevance to pretty much any industry, you know, I mean, every every company today is a technology company. Every company is looking for software developers. There was a Harris poll that came out in September of this year that said CEOs of Fortune 1000 companies are now ranking access to software developer talent higher than access to capital, which is staggering, right? I mean, and this really comes down to the fact that software developers have migrated from a cost center of a business, building software to allow you to sort of manage your business, to a profit center, to an opportunity center. They're solving problems, they're driving efficiencies, they're un, un, kind of uncovering opportunities because essentially software developers are problem solvers who solve business problems using technology. And that, I think, is really powerful. And so when you can sort of give somebody the skills that can give them that relevance and help them enter into the field of technology, you know, the opportunities in front of them are incredible. I'll say my co-founder um, comes from a very traditional background. Uh, his name's David Wintrick. He founded, uh, he, he was the senior architect for pay.gov. So if you've ever 
paid for a campsite or student loans or, you know, there's various other, it's PayPal for the federal government. <laughs> and uh, he re-architected pay.gov and it, it processes about $150 billion a year. So it's a very significant system. And I'm the non-technical side of things and, and, and David is, is the technical side of things. And, and I knew that I needed a really credible technical co-founder uh, when we started this company because we were a relatively late entrant into the field. Um, you know, we started this business because we saw an economic opportunity. You know, any city you go to, you look at the supply-demand mismatch. In Pittsburgh, last year, there were 6,500 software developer positions advertised in this region uh, and less than 600 computer science grads coming out of the four-year institutions. And to compound that, about 50% of those CS grads are reported to be leaving the region anyway. All right, so 300 CS grads with 6,500 software developer positions advertised. So we started it as an economic opportunity. We can sell training to fill these, for people to acquire skills skills to fill these gaps in the and and um, fill these opportunities in these these jobs what we didn't understand when we started the company that we now understand today is the essence of what we do is we help people acquire control of their lives because when you have tangible skills that have a need in the economy you're not the victim of the whims of you know CEOs of GM who are going to lay off 14,000 workers or the whims of shareholders or profitability or making the next quarter you just up and move because you have a tangible skill set that the economy has a need for and so that's the the essence of what we do is by acquiring these skills people are able to acquire a much greater level of control over their lives so i think that's like that to me was the big sort of aha moment you know as we started seeing more and more people that were like working as servers in restaurants and had kids at home and they weren't seeing them at night or truck drivers who were on the road or people that didn't get pto or didn't get health insurance and and they couldn't go to their boss and say damn it it's unfair you should give us health insurance because they'd say no i can find somebody perfectly easily who doesn't need health insurance off you go you know and so all of a sudden you're sort of shifting the control back to the worker and software developers in today's economy are the most valuable sort of talent asset that companies have. Absolutely. Um, I'm fired up. I'm really excited <laughs> about the work that you're doing. And I really appreciate you coming on the show. It's very apparent to me. There's certain times where, you know, you just catch an entrepreneur on the wrong day and they're kind of beaten down or they're half asleep because they got three hours of sleep the night before. It's very apparent how energizing this work is for you. And I think that that in the same way you're talking about sovereignty and uh, putting some more power back to the worker with this training that you're doing. I think that's another thing that a lot of people aspire to with their work is something that has a fulfilling, has a satisfying, has a meaningful aspect that can kind of be that internal locus of energy and passion. So I just want to say that, that is incredibly exciting for me to see in another person. And I, uh, you know, tip my cap to that. Yeah, uh, thank you. Like I, yeah, I, I, oftentimes I find myself talking like, oh man, I got goosebumps again, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, like we've got one of our instructors in, uh, in one of our other markets and I, I love him to pieces. He cries about his students, you know, cause he's just so emotionally invested and that's like, you know, you've done a good job when you've hired somebody yeah. that gets choked up and I do too. I mean, it's like, you know, there's a, there's a lot of people who are just really bright, who you, you know them, you have friends of yours, you see, you know, relatives and you're like, oh man, like why, why, ha why has it worked out for one person and not another? And look, this is not the solution for everybody. Like the, the, the attributes, the, the cognitive abilities that we require to be successful in terms of the raw material, they, they don't, 
they don't belong to everybody and that's okay but it is an absolute travesty if somebody is you know out there you know tending a gas station or driving a truck and and they're brilliant you know and it's just a waste of potential and i think for me if i look at the sort of thread that ties my career together it really is about helping people fulfill their potential when I was 18, I was graduating from high school and, you know, they did this test and it's like, what should you be when you grow up? You know, some kind of like, you know, give me to the parents, like your kid should be this. And, you know, so I took this test and do you like this? And do I like this more than that? And yeah, you're sort of trying to get your fit in and whatever. And I got my results back and it said I should be a teacher and I was furious. <laughs> I was like so mad. I was like, oh, I just think of my physics teacher and I like, that's exactly the opposite. of what I, want. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a marketer. I want to go work for Coca-Cola. You know, I want to be a teacher. You know, and so I went off into the world and I had branding and marketing and sales and this, that and the other. And then ultimately I've come back and I'm like, oh man. I guess I kind of am a teacher. I'm an educator, you know, like I'm not in the classroom day to day, but it really is the essence of a great teacher. And I think if there's a competitive advantage that Tech Elevator has, it's the discipline that we've taken to say no to many high quality experienced instructors who aren't at their core mentors because the greatest teachers the blueprints you know you you can probably i can find somebody who's 80 years old and they will tell me by name the teachers that inspired them along the way i i know mine mr schofield who was an english teacher and, and these teachers the best teachers they're not just pushing information into you they are literally seeing you as an individual and they're pulling potential from you and the discipline that we have had to say no to people that have the technical chops to teach the materials or to match our, our requirements but don't have the empathy or passion or, or desire to, to help somebody go from one place in their life to another that has given us this cadre of incredible instructors who are really the core of everything that we do um so anyway yeah, yeah i'm passionate <laughs> I, I love it i'm fired oh, up by up. <laughs> it um i want to make sure that people can check it out can learn more can get the details about your three kind of segments that you run throughout the year that people can enroll in so uh what digital coordinates can we provide people and any other meaningful details yeah so um I think you may have said that we are launching in Pittsburgh. We have launched so in the past. So we launched in May okay. uh, of this year. Um, we graduated our first cohort in September. Uh, 100% of those folks were hired within 12 days of graduation. We are about to graduate our second cohort uh, coming up on the 21st. Uh, offers are already coming in for those students and we expect to have about 100 graduates in 2019 and we'll keep on scaling as long as the market will let us and we can find people that want to change their lives. Um, techelevator.com is the uh, URL. That's where you can find um, the aptitude test if you want to try it and see if you've got you know got what it takes. Um, that's where you can look up you know our Pittsburgh team, um, and we're physically located you know a st stone's throw away from here in uh, on Pennsylvania Avenue on the North Shore. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's super exciting to be in uh, in Pittsburgh. This is a market that we have wanted to be here for a long time. There's a very thorough application process with the Department of Education. Put our head down, we got through that process and uh, you know we're already seeing, you know, really great companies hiring our grads, BNY, PNC, FedEx, um, Dick Sporting Goods and so uh, it's just it's great to be here. This is a great tech town. So exciting. I want to make sure that everyone checks that out. You can look in the podcast app where you're listening right now or head on over to goingdeepwithaaron.com slash podcast for all the links and the show notes associated with this 
and every episode of the show. Uh, but as we do at the end of each conversation, Anthony, I want to give you the mic one final time to issue an actionable personal challenge for the audience. So I think I'm going to sort of bifurcate the, the challenge, which is everybody owes it to themselves to be the best version of themselves that they can be. So if you've ever been curious, I challenge you to take our aptitude test and see if you've got it, what it, got what it takes. So uh, I love helping people realize their potential. Um, we have a team of people that love to do that. So we'd love to, to um, meet people who might be interested in that path. On the other side of things, I challenge companies hiring people um, to broaden their perspective about tech talent. Uh, too often we've taken a myopic view towards tech talent that you have to have a computer science degree to be a valuable contributor. But in actuality, if you look at the Stack Overflow survey of 150,000 developers, they found that uh, I believe 34% of individuals working as professional software developers today did not have a computer science degree. And so there are many alternative paths, one of which is self-study, another might be these free online resources, and one of which is Tech Elevator as well. And so um, we found that our hiring partners um, maybe took a little bit of selling up front to, to take a risk and to hire somebody. Um, but, you know, the fact that they come back and hire more and more, I think, says that, you know, they, they were happy with the decision to, to take the risk in the first place. So broaden your horizons when it comes to talent. I love that challenge. Applicable to everyone and uh, really exciting with all the work that you're doing with Tech Elevator. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Anthony. Thanks, Aaron. Delighted to be here. We just went deep with Anthony Hughes. Hope everyone out there has a fantastic day. Hey, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Going Deep with Aaron Watson. If you want more of this type of content, check out previous conversations with Kalani Cook of Black Tech Nation. We primarily talk about how her life was changed when she learned to code and scroll through our immense list of other tech founders that have been on the show. It's one of our favorite things to cover here, and they're the type of characters that you can learn a lot from. All of that can be found at goingdeepwithaaron.com slash top. Check it out. Thanks for listening. Connect with Aaron on Twitter and Instagram at AaronWatson59.